So let's recap the last four trading days. Federal Reserve disappointed on Wednesday, which I posted a video about. Trump says the Fed let him down. The S&P drops 3% over a few sessions. Trump ratchets up the trade war over the weekend. China retaliates by devaluing its currency. Market drops 3% today, down another percent and a half after hours. All this while there are massive protests and chaos in Hong Kong and the city's approval rating of its chief executive is dropping through the floor. Also breaking news is that U.S. Treasury, for the first time in 25 years, labels China a currency manipulator, and China confirmed that it's suspending agricultural purchases, which it threatened to do earlier today. So who's to blame? Who's doing the right things? Who's doing the wrong things? What are the implications? How are all these things interrelated? And most importantly, will Trump devalue the dollar? So first, please subscribe. We are not going to have a smooth ride here. You can always unsubscribe, but the only way for you to find out when I post a new comment is to subscribe. So please do that. I'm Ken Bauso. I'm a CFA charter holder and I spent my career on Wall Street and in the financial markets. And I do this podcast to analyze and comment on financial and economic issues in terms that could be understood by everyone, even if you're not a financial professional. There's so many ways to look at this, but I'm going to start with what it means for the Federal Reserve decision we just had last week and the direct effect on the U.S. and U.S. policy. Let's get what actually happened out of the way, and then we can analyze it. On Thursday, last Thursday, August 1st, Trump tweeted that the U.S. will impose 10% tariffs on the remaining $300 billion of Chinese exports. China today threatened to slap tariffs on newly purchased agricultural products purchased after April 3rd. Now they have confirmed they are suspending agricultural purchases. And then China devalues the RMB by a little over one and a half percent. Trump slams China as a currency manipulator. The PBOC, People's Bank of China, denies competitive devaluation. Trump tweets this, China dropped the price of their currency to almost a historic low. It's called currency manipulation. Are you listening, Federal Reserve? This is a major violation which will greatly weaken China over time. Kind of the funny thing about that is he says, are you listening, Federal Reserve? It's actually the U.S. Treasury that designates currency manipulator. But anyway, this is what the yuan looks like. Yuan and the RMB are, are, are the same thing, different words for the same thing. So I'll use them interchangeably here. The stock market got smoked today. The yield curve inverts even more. I talked about that a lot on my last video, so check that out. We'll talk about that a little bit now. Um, so Larry Summers in a Wall Street Journal article is quoted, I think this was online today, probably in tomorrow's paper edition, his quote, the Fed keeps overconfidently predicting the future of an unpredictable economy. Larry Summers was the Treasury Secretary under Clinton, he says, more communication given the inevitable errors means less credibility as the Fed runs from one side of the boat to the other. To me, when I, when I hear this, with the Fed talking about Larry Summers saying the Fed's overconfidently predicting the future of an unpredictable economy, this feeds back into the asymmetric risk that I mentioned. We don't know the future. Powell doesn't know the future. If the future plays out negatively, then the toolbox that Powell has at his disposal is filled with tools that the Fed admits it doesn't like to use because they don't work that well. And they themselves have said, we don't have said, we don't fully understand the risk of, of, of 
the policy of buying trillions of dollars of government assets on their balance sheet. Now, I think Powell was wrong. I was, I, I said that in my video. I don't think he did enough, and I think he'll have to do more. What's developed since then in less than a week makes that case, case definitely much more strongly. Okay, so now what? Why do we really care? Why do we care that China devalued by one and a half percent, right? It's not really that much. Well, the peg has been broken, and this is big. It's been broken in the wrong direction, wrong direction for us, meaning bad for America. And when I say bad for America, what I really mean is that it will push us further from the goals that Jerome Powell outlined. Okay, so the dollar is a major input to US policy, but we hardly ever talk about it. Americans don't pay attention to it because we rarely use foreign currencies. But think about the Fed's dual mandate. Fed's dual mandate is price stability and full employment. Price stability, because we import and export so much, the value of the dollar is an important determinant on the prices that we pay. The Fed tends to not talk about the dollar, but of course the Fed knows that the decisions that they make feed into the value of the dollar. Now I've argued that the dollar is too strong. China devaluing versus the dollar only serves to make the dollar stronger. And I'm not sure that it's actually just the one and a half percent or the concern that it's unlikely if you are have broken the peg that you're going to do it by a small amount and, and whether people are concerned that one and a half percent could turn into a very a much more serious five, ten percent plus devaluation. And remember what Powell said. He said he wanted an insurance rate cut. And he, he cited slow, slow global growth, weak domestic manufacturing, and inflation below target. So in my last video talking about the Fed, I went through each one of those one by one and talked about why a strong dollar is a headwind to those things that he says that he's concerned about, and that a weaker dollar would be a tailwind. Well, what's happened now only serves to exacerbate those issues. The problems that Powell had before have just incrementally grown. In addition to that, one of the major issues I talked about was the yield curve being inverted. As investors today rushed to buy 10-year government bonds and longer duration government bonds, that inversion only got more extreme, right? And so if you remember, the yield curve being inverted means that the banking system is less likely to make loans. And because money comes from new loans, it also means we will not be getting the supply of money that our economy needs. Okay, so China made some comments. And before I mention the comments, I wanted to say that I'm persuaded in general by the arguments that China's interested in winning a, a military and political war in general, and that it recognizes it wants to avoid a military war because clearly our military, even though China is the number two economy, it's a large economy, but we are still so incredibly militarily dominant versus China. So that interpretation matches their behavior. Typically, China is very aggressive from an economic perspective, but their dialogue is very, they're very political and very non-confrontational in their official dialogue. There is a story in the, in the Wall Street Journal today where they quote the People's Bank of China, and the PBOC says, the currency slump, the RMB slump, was, quote, due to the effects of unilateralist and trade protectionist measures and the expectations for tariffs against China. Now, 
due to the effects of unilateralist and trade protectionist measures, for China to be outright calling American policies unilateral and trade protectionist, that might sound just like a statement of fact. But to me, I read that as unusually direct and fairly aggressive. So China has an incentive to devalue. If we think about what's happening internally in China, right? So Trump says there's tariffs, 10%, 25%. In any event, the price to Americans go up because they have to, Americans have to pay for these tariffs. And so at a higher price, then we buy less goods, right? Simple supply demand, higher price, we buy less, lower price, we buy more, just very basic. So for China to counteract that and to keep, for them to keep their economy coming along, they could devalue their currency, in which case the prices that we pay are the same, except a chunk of it goes in the form of tariffs. Now, the next step, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but of course the next step is that these Chinese exporters then do have less dollars that they are repatriating back into China. And so this also plays into the part that I'm going to say next, where there's a question for China to maintain their peg, they need to have an adequate supply of dollars, right? Because if a lot of people are trying to sell RMB, it's actually the central bank that takes the other side of that trade. And if they're buying RMB to keep that peg, then they're buying RMB and they're paying for it with US dollars, okay? So in the same article, a little bit later, and I've, I've just got to cover this, they say this, this is the Wall Street Journal, right? I, I, I consider the Wall Street Journal the highest standard in business and economic news. I know Murdoch owns the journal and the editorial pages lean conservative, but from an economic perspective, they're, they're pretty straight. It says, China botched the yuan surprised evaluation in 2015, adjusting the currency lower against the dollar without engaging in any kind of the signaling that central banks of major economies usually do. Global markets widely saw devaluation as an admission that China's economy was weaker than the government had previously acknowledged and stocks, crude oil, and emerging markets all slumped. So to say China botched the surprise, this surprise devaluation, it, just by reading this article, and this is from the journal, right? You would think that it was all China's fault. They just screwed it up. First of all, let's, let's look at the term surprise devaluation. If you have a pegged currency, a devaluation absolutely must be a surprise, okay? Consider this scenario. Let's say, I, let's say I'm running the People's Bank of China and I know that I'm going to devalue next week. Okay, so maybe I should tell people, hey, today I'm willing to pay a high price for your RMB and tomorrow and the next day I'll do the same. But the day after that and next week, I'm going to pay a lower price. Okay, well, anyone would immediately sell all the RMB they have and all the RMB that they could borrow, assuming the price wasn't too high, and sell to the People's Bank of China and wait until next week where they could, where they could come and buy it back. And like I said before, since the People's Bank of China needs to pay for this RMB with foreign currency, it can make as many local currency as it wants. It cannot make as many dollars or euros as it wants, right? So if it's paying for it in dollars, 
then it only has a finite amount of dollars. The last thing they would want to do is telegraph that they're going to devalue because they would be hit with a tidal wave of people selling their local currency before they devalued. And it would only serve to drain their precious reserve currencies, that, uh, their precious reserves. So this is absurd, this idea that a surprise devaluation. Now, all, central bankers are, are always talking. And I have no doubt that there's an open line of communication between the People's Bank of China and the Federal Reserve. And I can't say for sure that there was, that there was some communication about the devaluation, but I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there was. I remember the period and there was a lot of stress. I'm going to show you right now the evidence for that stress, right? Because what was actually happening was that Janet Yellen was chairman of the Fed. And Janet Yellen, labor economist by training, she, in my opinion, myopically viewed the economy through this Phillips, Phillips curve lens. This Phillips curve is a model that I believe has been discredited. It basically says there's a trade-off between employment and inflation. And the idea is when the unemployment rate's very low, which it was under Yellen, un unemployment was doing very well. Her view was that inflation was right around the corner. So she was constantly guiding that policy was going to get a lot tighter because inflation was just about to pick up because unemployment was low. But guess what? Unf inflation never did pick up. And quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter, literally year after year after year, inflation missed target. And when it did miss target, below the target, consistently, what that basically meant was Yellen was too tight. The Federal Reserve under Janet Yellen was too tight. And in case you don't, in case you are don't know whether to take my word for it, take a look at this graph at the dollar. This is the DXY, which is just the dollar versus a basket of currencies, and see if you could see anything unusual happening around the 2015 time period. Right? You can see that the dollar just starts screaming higher, and at the time, the Chinese RMB was pegged to the dollar. So as the dollar goes up, the RMB goes up. And what it, what it means for China is China's currency is then going up against all the other currencies in the world, right? So, and China sells things not just to the US, but to Europe and, and Asia and South America. And so at some point, China can't take the strong RMB because it's pegged to the dollar and then China devalues, right? So this thing that the journal is saying that China botched the surprise devaluation, this was clearly directly in response to the fact that the dollar was screaming because Janet Yellen was too tight. And then only when they were forced to devalue, they did, the whole world shuddered. The stock market went down 10%. Uh, oil price, you know, all these financial indicators showed that they were having major problems until Yellen backed off and the world came under, uh, under order again. After that episode, China switched from pegging their currency strictly to the dollar to a basket of currencies, which is the case now. It's not just they're, they're not pegged only to the U.S. dollar, though the dollar is still dominant. It's about a, it has about a one third weighting. So Trump says it's manipulation. But first of all, almost all countries 
directly or indirectly manage their currencies. China's currency is pegged and has been for decades. So there, there's nothing really more manipulative than that. So this is very much a, 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 a political statement. Maybe it gives them some tools to use because that allows the US to go to the IMF and, and argue that China's being unfair. Also, interestingly, Trump is saying that China is unfairly manipulating its currency lower. But actually, as Kyle Bass argues today, and which I which I believe, and I and is my opinion also, he's done much more work than I have, and he has got a great analysis if you want to if, if you want to check it out. But he argues that if China stepped away and let the currency float, he thinks it would go down 30, 40%. I don't know if I agree with the magnitude. He says in a CNBC interview today that I agree with that, quote, China didn't weaken the RMB. They just stopped supporting it. And he argues it's because they're running out of dollars, which I think is persuasive too. We can't really say for sure from the outside how true that is. Okay. But it is certainly uh, very possible. I'll provide a link to it below. China famously takes a very long view. And I suspect, I suspect that they figure Trump will be gone in a year and a half. Even if he's reelected, it'll be five and a half years. Compared to 10, 25, 50 years, no problem. We'll just wait it out. We'll just pretend that we keep negotiating and we won't, and we won't actually agree to anything. That's what I think is the likely scenario. The only question is whether they can do it. As much as this feels painful to us, right? Stock market's down a lot. We're, we're, you know, we're seeing some, some chaos. The economy's not great. As much as it's painful for us, it's much more painful for China. Okay, so the question is whether or not they can wait it out. I'm inclined to think that they will agree to a deal, some deal that both sides can claim that they've won on, and then China will just lie and cheat. Right. And there's a great book called Mr. China in 2006 it was just a great, great book um, about about uh, a business person going over there and setting up lots of joint ventures and, and basically uh, trying to trying to deal with contracts and unions and, and all this stuff. Now, when I'm talking about the Federal Reserve and how all these things affect the Federal Reserve, I'm combining the trade war with other problems uh, for the Fed, like currency being too strong, the yield curve. But should I should I be doing that? It's a fair point. Byron Wien opined today that if we're in a mess related to trade, then the Fed shouldn't be using monetary policy to bail out trade problems that we have. Right? If we have a trade problem, we should fix that by fixing the trade problem. Okay, those are my words, not but that's his, his general idea. And I, I agree with that. That's totally straightforward, sensible, and logical. But the question is. If we don't get a trade deal, then what do we what do we really think the Fed is going to do? What should the Fed do? And what what do we think the Fed will do? I don't think the Fed's just going to sit by and wait and say, well, it's a trade war. It's not really my problem. And, and, and I'll just watch the economy crash. I don't think that will happen. Um, of course, I don't think Trump should be publicly or privately, for that matter, criticizing the Fed. Uh, but I think this is just showing what his political plan is, that if and when there's an economic problem, he is going to blame the Fed. If we are in a recession between now and his presidency, which will definitely be a big negative for his chances of reelection, he's definitely going to, to uh, blame the Fed. 
there was a back to Powell, a, a former Fed governor, Sarah Bloom Raskin, is quoted in a journal article. She's talking about his his communication policy, and she says, "quote One possibility is that the White House interference is scrambling with his ability to communicate clearly, Powell's ability to communicate clearly." I couldn't disagree with this more, right? The Fed has just simply made the wrong decision. This is not about. I, I don't think Trump should be interfering and making all these public comments about it, but it's more likely if Powell's having a hard time communicating, it's more likely to me that he's not thinking clearly, that he is lying to us and during the Q&A has a hard time staying consistent, or he just doesn't really understand the world of pain that he and the Federal Reserve will be in when rates are at zero again, and the Fed is buying trillions more in assets. He has said about how uncomfortable he is about this. I've seen comments that he's made uh, years ago from minutes that have been released, and I know that this is uncomfortable, and this is the asymmetric risk that we're talking about. And actually, if you think about it from a strategy perspective, I don't think that this is necessarily true, but the strong dollar is causing massive pain. I've argued the dollar's too strong. That's causing a massive pain to China. So maybe this is part of the strategy to get them to relent. Because I've also argued that if the treasury devalued the dollar, then that would be a huge benefit for the US for many of these problems. And, and it would also be a big benefit to China too. And so of course, they want to benefit us and not benefit China. And maybe that's why they haven't done it yet. I'm just raising that possibility. Maybe that's why they haven't done it yet because they're trying to allow us to take the pain because they think the US economy is comparatively in a better position. So we can take more pain, but they can't take more pain. So that's maybe why they haven't devalued the dollar yet. Just thinking out loud about it. So, so as a last point, I'll just mention about China. There are thousands of demonstrators. Protests have been increasingly aggressive. People are talking about the stage being set for another Tiananmen Square. Protests, tear gas, arrest, violence broke out in several locations today. There's an article in the New York Post today. I'll link to that. The title of the article is Beijing is preparing for a massacre in Hong Kong. Time for the West to put human rights ahead of free trade. This is from the editorial board. And I, I won't go into the whole article, but just to read the first sentence or two, it says, after eight weeks of Hong Kong street protests against Beijing's rule, the People's Republic is massing police and soldiers just across the border. Message, if the protesters don't quit, a bloodbath is coming. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on. And just thinking out loud before, as I was finishing up preparing for this, here's a contagion scenario. We all know that Hong Kong real estate is priced in the stratosphere. It's phenomenally expensive, Hong Kong real estate. And the peg for the Hong Kong dollar, not the RMB, the Hong Kong dollar has been pegged to the US dollar for about 36 years. Think about how, the, how different those economies are now, our economy and Hong Kong's economy over now compared to 36 years ago and all the times in between, but it's still pegged at roughly the same price, right? So. There's definitely a risk as we're talking about pegs and exchange rates that the Hong Kong dollar peg breaks. So back to my back to my contagion scenario. 
Hong Kong real estate is priced to the stratosphere. The banking system is always inherently exposed to real estate. So if the Hong Kong peg breaks, plus some political chaos happening there causes capital flight out of Hong Kong, that, that will reasonably create a downdraft in Hong Kong real estate. And so does that lead to bank failures? And if so, can they be contained? So there's, there's a lot of moving parts to what's going on. There's definitely a lot happening. Stay with me and we're gonna keep talking about it and following it as it goes.